Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to Building the Cooperative Classroom. My name is Adam Rubichek. I'm here as always with Derek Swistak and Aaron Fleming. Howdy. Hey, everybody. And in the third installment of our mini-series on positive interdependence, today we are going to talk about the implementation and really dig into some practical lessons that show us that positive interdependence happening in the classroom. Derek, take it away. All right. So, so we talked a little bit about before about the history of this, and we talked about what it looks like and sounds like. So if you're thinking about it and you're trying to evaluate it as a teacher in the classroom, or you're having some students try to evaluate whether this thing is happening in your classroom, it might be a good idea to kind of know what it looks like and sounds like. So now let's think about like, okay, I really do want kids to feel as though they can sink or swim together. I, I want to build a classroom where that is vitally important. And so I'm going to share with the kids like why I'm doing this and how I'm doing it. Um, but, but there is another acronym um, for this. Uh, the, the Johnsons are definitely full of acronyms and it, and it kind of helps out a little bit. And so we're setting the teacher's role and that is tired frog. So these are different kinds of interdependencies that you can build within groups. I'm not sure why it fits in with tired frog necessarily, but it's a, it's a nice, easy way to kind of kind of think about some of the different types of interdependencies that you might see in a classroom or that you might set up as the teacher in a classroom. So the T in tired frog stands for task interdependence. So task interdependence is this idea that I'm going to do a task and then you're going to do a task. And it's typically very sequential. Um, think about a... Um, Think about an assembly line where one person, can't, you can't get to the next person without that first person finishing their part. The task interdependence is oftentimes, uh, you can see that actually in, um, if you were doing like a vocabulary kind of thing where you're taking and defining a word and then you're pushing it to somebody else and they're going to draw a picture and then you're pushing that to somebody else and then they're going to add to that picture and then maybe somebody else is going to color that picture. So um, that, that, that would be like an example of task interdependence. Um, identity interdependence is this idea, um, especially with long-term groups, you might want to engage in like building a, a common flag, a slogan, a team name. Um, in my class, we had a team cheer. So we did um, like group quizzes, um, which were like practice assessments, like a formative assessment. And if the kids got it right, they'd go back and they would do their little cheer and potentially a dance, but a dance wasn't necessarily a part of it. Well, we can't see a dance on the podcast, Eric, but we at least need to hear a sample of one of those cheers. We love chemistry. Cha-cha. The kids were looking, they were hoping for some bonus points, I think, on that, basically. I, what, what would a cheer sound like in uh, Senior Fleming's class? Vamos, vamos, nos gusta el español. Vamos, vamos, nos gusta el español. Okay. How was that? That got that, you fired up, didn't it? That did. That did. I did. So the R of tired frog is resource interdependence. And we did mention this in uh, our sounds like look like looks like talk about interdependence. But uh, to me, resource interdependence is one of the easiest ones. And it's probably one of the most helpful. You know, we talked about what does it look like? Well, you know, positive interdependence, kids working well together. It looks like people leaning in. 
you know, it's not everybody slouching back and, you know, just not looking like they really care, but, you know, let's just say you take one, one sheet, it could be one boring worksheet and you put it in the middle of a group and say, okay, you only have one, one resource here. Now, everybody lean in and take a look at it. And then all of a sudden everybody leans in. Um, it could be one book. It could be one computer. It could be one whiteboard. It could be, you know, a lot of different things, but just one resource that binds everybody together and gets them to lean in. So, yeah. uh, Derek, Adam, I've, anything else about uh, resource? I've seen really good stuff with like taking that and using the old photocopier and taking an eight and a half by 11, turning it into 11 by 17 and, and taking some different color highlighters and having people do different things with different parts of the text. Um, you can use a big whiteboard and have people have different color markers or only have one marker and have different people kind of talk through things. I, I often find that resource interdependence is one of those that um, is overlooked by teachers too. Um, it, it doesn't always get as much of the notoriety. And I think it, like you said, it's, it's kind of one of those easy ones to implement or, or not, not, not a real difficult, because it's actually just taking things away. Like, oh, everybody has a Chromebook, but they don't all need it not for this. So, and that's okay. <laughs> Cause when they do, they're going to have a tendency to, to do something different. So pushing the Chromebook off to the side and having something displayed and then having everybody kind of work on a big piece of poster paper um, from that one resource can, can be great. Um, and one of the, one of the concerns I've heard about resource interdependence is, well, I don't want to withhold materials from the students. So we don't have to do that, but while we're in class, only one copy of the article is out on the, on the paper. Only one uh, problem sheet where you can write your answers down. It doesn't mean that the other students can't have those eventually. If we're all writing our answers on one piece of paper, it's very easy to go ahead and snap a picture with your phone and now everyone's got a copy of those answers. Or the last five minutes of class, we can go ahead and copy those answers onto our own paper. So we're not withholding the learning from anybody. We're just constraining it a little bit for that activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I, I think it is one of those things though that we're just taking stuff away. That's all like the, for the purposes of this lesson. And I think that's where like switching it up every five minutes or so, giving somebody else a different role, all role, which is also known as duty interdependence um, is, is another important thing. And, and I think this is one that, that people associate with um, cooperative learning a lot is, is giving kids different roles. Okay. I'm going to put you in a group of three and I'm going to make you the recorder and I'm going to make you the reader and oh I ran out of roles you're the timekeeper uh can I be the timekeeper please yeah, exactly right and we've all been like oh my god please let me be the timekeeper I okay, want to or... be the encourager <laughs> yes so and so that that's a thing to kind of keep in mind I I, I uh, some of us on this podcast are, are big gamers and uh and and when you build a game you want to make sure that if you've got the roles there, what's one of the most important things? And you got to balance that a little bit, right? You don't want to have somebody have so much of the load that 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 what's the point of having everybody else along? So, um, so those roles have to be such. So, what what are some roles that we've used with students before? So, there's the reporter, the note taker, paraphraser. I like I like the like kind of like a a checker, right? Like a like somebody mm -hmm. that has the book and could look something up if they need to. Yeah, I always I always like to delineate kind of language tasks with it. Like, you know, someone is in charge of the vocabulary list. 
you know, someone is in charge of spelling for the group. Uh, you know, someone is in charge of, you know, finding the cognates in a definition, you know, while they're reading in Spanish, but, you know, some, some other fun ones, um, you know, you can have a group spy, you know, and the one person can get up and they can go ask, you know, another group a question. Um, or you can have the public relations manager where they're the one that can come up and ask me a question, but then they have to take that answer back to the group. So, uh, you know, you can, you can have some fun, you can have some fun with these roles. And I think the key too, like we said before, is that like, if you've got something that is a little underpowered, make sure that you're rotating those roles quickly. Um, you know, if somebody's if somebody's the reporter the whole time for you know twenty minutes, that's not going to be very fun necessarily. Or maybe it is a lot of fun for that one person, but they need to practice some of those other skills as well. I'm going to turn environment over to uh, Aaron because I feel like as a science teacher, environmental interdependence kind of is is an easier one, but um, I think it's a little bit more difficult in a non-science classroom. But but Aaron does a really good job with environment. When I look at the list of the interdependencies, I, I really think that resources is an easy one and environment for me is another easy one. I like to have my classroom uh, with decorated with different posters and pictures from all over the Spanish speaking world. And uh, I like to have some comfortable furniture and some flexible seating options. And, you know, it's surprising to me that, you know, how much students really prefer to be in one spot in the classroom, you know, whether or not it's, I like to be over here because it's by the window, or I like to be over here because I love looking at the picture of the, the Pyrenees mountains uh, in Spain. You know, it's, it, it's remarkable to me. So giving kids a choice in where they choose that environment for, for their work or for their learning. I mean, it could be step out into the hallway with your group of three. Now, obviously you're going to norm that out. Giving kids that flexibility to choose their environment really does help them find, you know, some commonality like, Hey, is it our turn for the couch today? Is it our turn for the, the coffee table in the back? That, that piece of environment uh, that they choose really does give them a voice in, in you know, how they work. Absolutely. The next one's one of my favorites, which is fantasy interdependence. And so this is like taking, taking on a, uh, putting on a different hat. If you were looking at uh, Yucca Mountain, you might look at it from the perspective of a scientist. You might look at it as the perspective of an environmentalist, and you might look at it from the perspective of someone who lives nearby. How, do, how, how does looking at the data, looking at the things, how does that, how does that influence me? And how do I take that to, um, to an academic discussion? So fantasy interdependence can also be that problem-based learning scenario where we are building a problem. You know, we've got six days to, to pack to get to the moon. What do we bring with us? Um, you know, building a scenario in which we can all kind of get behind. And it, sometimes it's, it can be forced. Sometimes it's a little more natural. But it, it's something that, that the students can all get behind and they can find that common identity in it. So it really is, is wrapped up in that identity um, interdependence. Absolutely. Um, so re the, the last the last few here are uh, reward interdependence. So this is uh, an incentive that you would give. So that's achieved when all teams have the same reward, when all teams, um, everybody in, within the team achieves a certain level of um, academic achievement. Um, and they, they would receive some sort of reward. Oh, it must be extra credit, right, Derek? It cannot be extra credit. That is wait, it's it's points on a test, right? Wait, what? 
it is something that the, that the that you know that your group your your kids value within the culture that you the culture and the community that you've built. It's something that they do. Um, sometimes it can be simple as you know it can be a monet not monetary. It can be a a little gift um, that you grab from you know I, pencils, stickers, stamps, stickers, happy stickers meal toys. Um, yes, yes, stickers are great. All sorts. It's all it's, sorts it's amazing to me how well a group of adolescent boys will work for a my little pony sticker hello kitty uh, outside out of me this is one of, this is one of my favorites is um you know a competition against and i wrote down an anonymousish enemy so this is not we're playing Kahoot and we're going to compete against each other individually this is not we're playing Kahoot and we're going to compete against each other as a team this is hey everybody we got these balancing problems third period class everybody was done and had them all right in 22 minutes i feel like this fifth period class there's no way you guys are going to do way better than 22 minutes right or last year's class did this in 21 minutes and 30 seconds you guys can crush that Right. So, or whatever it is, it could be, it's, it's this idea that there is this outside force, this outside enemy that, um, and it could be time. It could be um, an average grade. Like, Hey, listen, the best my classes have ever scored on this quiz that I'm giving you guys is 82, 82 average. Like, I think we can do a lot better than that in here. I was like how you frame it, Derek, you know, when you talk about, instead of a competition, you talk about a Cooperation. Yeah. I will say this, even, even if you choose not to have that anonymous enemy, you know, even if we anonymous ish, anonymous ish. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Um, I, I think that when you, when you have groups, you know, in a lighthearted competition against other groups in the class group, group against group is way different than individual against individual. But I think it's also very important when doing any sort of co-opetition or, you know, this, this competition with groups, it's let's understand the purpose behind the competition. And the purpose of the competition isn't, isn't just to win the, the, the competition, you know, between groups, it's the, the process of getting to the answer is really what we're after here. And, you know, that, that competition is something that can just be enjoyable and, and fun and, you know, a lot lower stakes when it's group against group. Well, and I think the thing that you pointed out there is, is, is bringing it down a level. And then I think that the, a lot of the things that we see in, in the dominant culture about, about um, competition is like timing is that if you can't get this in five seconds, well, then you don't get as many points, right? Like that's the whole Kahoot, that's the whole like these instant feedback kind of things. And and you really need to think about that. Like what message are you sending to, to kids? Being able to balance a chemical equation, I don't know that it matters whether it's 30 seconds or uh, a minute and a half. It's, it's, not, it's not that important. The journey, kind of like what, what Aaron just said, which is that the journey is more important than the destination. So I think taking some of those kind of limits off of this, um, I think is, is really important. And I think the other thing to kind of think about is if you're going to do that within your classroom, be sure that, that, that you know that kids are okay with fe- feeling a little vulnerable about how they might perform and, and that there's a lot of trust built from student to student. And the last of these in, in our tired frog is, is a goal. Do we have a common purpose? And this is typically 
one that that people say, oh yeah, they have to finish this piece of paper, <laughs> right? That's that's the goal that they have to finish the paper. But you know, do we have a common? Is is it really a purpose? Is it a purpose that kids are are um, endeavoring towards together? Is it something that they care about? Um, but it, it, that, that's typically like, I, I don't want to say the easiest out of these, but I think it's the one that most people think about when they think about um, some kind of interdependence. Like, oh yeah, everybody has to finish this thing and I just handed it to them. So that is our nine interdependencies, nine different ways to build interdependence. And you can kind of combine a few of those. I kind of combined fantasy and role into, into one. And then Adam reminded me of how to think about fantasy as being a little bit different um, too there. Um, but you can combine these things together and, and, and sort of the, the more of these that you have to a point, um, the more likely kids are to feel as though they sink or swim together. Oh, you're trying to say that we shouldn't try to have all nine types of interdependence at once? <laughs> you could try. <laughs> You've yet to see it, but yeah. Uh, Start with one or two. Start with one or two. I think all of us would agree that like our mindset generally isn't that on Monday I'm going to do cooperative learning. It's not that. It's when I want kids to talk to one another, which is all the time, how am I making it so that they are productively doing so? And positive interdependence is really key to, to helping them think through, you know, to helping you as a teacher feel a level of success with kids. But that isn't all it is, because I think we're going to see when we get to social skills, too, is that if you're not pairing positive interdependence and social skills together, then you're really not, uh, it's going to be more difficult for kids to feel interdependent with one another. Um, this idea of positive interdependence builds a, who am I, right? Who am I as a learner, as a student, as a person, who am I? And then who am I when I'm with you, right? Who am I when I'm with you? Like, am I that same person? Who am I when I'm with you? And then who are we together, right? And, and I think that as teachers, sometimes we want to skip over that connectedness that needs to happen that kids need to feel safe they need to feel connected and then they can be purposeful then they can get to that next step but if we're not thinking through and helping kids think about those questions who am i who am i when i'm with you and who are we together i think positive interdependence is a, a big part of that in terms of our thinking as teachers to help kids on that road that wraps our mini series on positive interdependence the first of our essential elements next will be examining individual accountability, which is the I in pig's face, one of our five uh, essential elements of cooperative learning. But until then, Aaron, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. Theme music, courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.